Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Let's Watch podcast. I'm your host, James, with my co-host, Carolyn. Still here. And today we are doing another For You Consideration, this time about Mank. Mank. What's the synopsis? Yes, that's my cue. Um, so, Mank, directed by David Fincher, uh, written by Jack Fincher, starring Gary Oldman and a whack load of other people. <laughs> 30s Hollywood is reevaluated through the eyes of scathing social critic and alcoholic screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz as he races to finish the screenplay of Citizen Kane. So that's what that is. Did you know any of this before? Oh, fuck no. Um, <laughs> I knew that uh, Gary Oldman was great in biopics. Um, I don't know <laughs> how the man can play multiple real life people and supposedly look like them all. I think this is uh, we can conclude from this that all old white men look the same. Especially if they're bald or balding. He has some hair. It's floppy. He has some floppy hair. He has a lot of floppy hair going on. Yeah. So this movie kind of takes place in two different time periods. Um, there is, I think, 1940 is the current day. Yeah. Um, and then it flashes back throughout the 30s, um, back and forth kind of thing, which threw me for a while because it kept flashing back to a different time in the 30s. Which I eventually clued in. It does tell you on screen. It does. I actually thought that was very cool. Since it is a story about a screenwriter, I enjoyed the kind of like little subtitles that kind of like type onto the screen in the typical screenwriting text. Um, You know, interior, whatever, day, this year, flashback. You know, I thought that was cute. Yes. For a movie that is set in like very old Hollywood about Hollywood stuff, it is a very Fincher film. Mm Mm-hmm. And that those little touches are so him. Also, it, it, Jack Fincher is his father, who has been dead for, I think, almost two decades now. Mm-hmm. And this was a script his dad wanted to make for a long time and never did. And I don't think he changed it much in ad- ad- adapting it from the time. I'm sure there was a little done, but he's he was pretty set. He's said publicly that there hasn't been much changed. That is quite interesting, actually, because it didn't feel like a script had, that had been written decades ago. I think, I guess, largely because it's like it's already a period piece, so it doesn't matter what period you write the piece in. Um, yeah. Though, now that you mention it, it didn't have a particularly 2020 view of the world on it. It didn't not. It just didn't. Like, I find a lot of period pieces um, make use of the current political and social climate to be like, oh, look, it was the same then, or like they use it to make some sort of critique. I feel mm-hmm. like this one didn't. I feel like this one really was just telling a story of this time in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, that stuff's in there, but it's not the point of the film. Mm-hmm. It's very much, and I don't, like, we both don't know, and Fincher isn't saying how much has been changed. Mm-hmm. It might just, he might, maybe there has been a lot of changes, but he's just not taking credit for it. That could mm-hmm. also be, I think, because he never puts his name on the scripts, I think, because he doesn't consider himself to be a writer. So Yeah, and he probably consider, considers it part of his duties as a director to change in such and such a way. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. the movie says that, it, the movie says that as well, right? Like, mm-hmm. Mank finishes the script and then he's like, well, it's the director's job to direct it now. Like, mm-hmm. he can decide what to do with it. I've done my uh, major job now. Mm-hmm. And like that's, that's, I... I'm kind of all over the place with this film is that I think it's really good. It's filmed and shot beautifully and all of the production design is incredible. And they spent a bunch of money on a black and white film about a screenwriter. 
Yeah, it does have a vibe to it. it it's, it's funny because it feels very much like a movie that would come out in the 30s. It Like, no, I shouldn't say that because it is. it does feel modern. But like the – it's very noir. It's black and white. Orson Welles feels like a crime boss for some reason. Like yes. why is he talking in a dark room as a silhouette? I don't know. To hide that the actor doesn't really look like Orson Welles. Like at all. Uh, but uh, – <laughs> <laughs> but – no, it, it definitely did have this distinct vibe, and I liked the vibe. But for me, it felt like it was a movie filled with Easter eggs and these special appearances of people, like characters and um, and actors and stuff. And like, and I left my Easter basket at home because I was missing all of them. Yeah, that's kind of where I am as well. Like somebody shows up and they say their name, and they're like, "That's probably somebody I should know," and I have no idea who that is. It's like the yeah. only one I knew kind of was Marion Davies. And that's like very limited knowledge is that I knew she existed. <laughs> it was like, like the extent of it. The names were familiar, but they meant nothing to me. I feel like this is, you know, at the end of the school year, if like the teachers were to put on a play for the students and they put in all these jokes for the students that are like, oh, yeah. And we know that Harold always says this thing and Jenny always says this. It feels like that. Like it feels like a movie that was made for a particular audience. I just don't know who that audience is. Is it like. It's Hollywood people? It's the is Oscars. It, it's the yeah, Oscars. yeah, it's the Oscars. You're right. That's exactly what it is. Because it feels like, yeah, it feels like it's made for film students who are taking uh, film in the golden age of cinema. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right. It is for the Oscars crowd. I mean, they'll eat it up. And mm-hmm. I expect this movie to do very well there. It just sucked because it felt like they were like nodding and winking and being like and here's this guy and like if you knew that guy you'd be sitting there being like oh that's so cool that's so and so yeah but i don't know that guy <laughs> yeah i don't think that's uh i don't think that detracts from the film like it does mm-hmm. it in a way is like i'm constantly like i don't know who that is i'm dumb or i'm just too young but it, it, but the story can exist without that the right? problem like if- was I agree, but there were a few scenes where it did detract from it a little bit. There was that one True. where they're in like some sort of news office and they were betting and they're like, here's so-and-so and here's so-and-so. And they found a way to squeeze in each of their first and last names so you knew who they were. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you just threw like six names at me. I recognize them all. It means nothing to me. I have no idea who these people are in the context of the film. And they're not really in the movie again. Yeah. And then later at the dinner party, I felt the same way. I was like, Every person we've met in the movie up to this point is in this dinner table, and I forget who they all are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's also. I think it doesn't matter though, because none of those people are like super important to the film. Mm-hmm. Like, the names that are important are Mank, Marion Davies, uh, Louis B. Mayer, mm-hmm. and then whoever Charles Dance plays, who I can't remember his name. It's like Hurst, I think. Uh, William Randolph Hurst, yes. Yeah, and then it's. You get other people's names by like their position in the company or the position mm-hmm. in the in the film industry. But yeah, I agree. I think that does take away because I'm constantly like, uh, I don't. Am I? Are you supposed? To, is the movie wanting me to bring like the knowledge of who this person is into the film, or does it mm-hmm. not matter? It's like the only one I have that knowledge with is Orson Welles. Yeah, and it's very limited, and it's more of like the myth of who he was than who he actually was, which. The movie is who they want you to think that they want you to yeah, think of the man. I appreciated that he wasn't a huge character. Like he was this off-screen voice. He was this person that people talked about. I like that he wasn't actually around very often um, because it kept him as the myth. Because yeah, I don't know a whole lot about Orson Welles as a man, but I know about him as a body of work. Yeah, because he has made the film that has been on the number one of the AFI's top one hundred forever. Right, mm-hmm. like, 
and it was hugely influential to modern filmmaking. And the movie isn't about that, and it shouldn't be, because that story's been told a billion times, and it doesn't need to be told again. What I appreciate about this film, too, is I don't think it ever mentions that this movie is Citizen Kane. You know it if you've seen the movie because of, there's various references, like this character does this, this does this, and at the dinner party scene where he's drunk, uh, where Mank is drunk, he does give a full drunken pitch for this movie that he eventually writes. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. <laughs> so what I love is that if you haven't seen the movie, it doesn't matter um, because all you care about is like these characters are talking about a movie and you know they're writing the movie. Um, if you have seen the movie, those are some of those like little – or if you know enough about the movie, those are some of those like, yeah, little hidden hidden nods and stuff. But I love that they don't ever call it Citizen Kane because – Citizen Kane is Citizen Kane as we know it now. Then mm -hmm. it was not that. Citizen Kane meant nothing, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of, it's like the inspiration of what eventually became Citizen Kane. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. even in the movie, they're like, that's the first draft. There's lots of work to be done. And then we don't see the further refinement of the movie. We okay. just, uh, you're, you're just supposed to understand that specific, those specific characters who in that person's life who they represented or like what it's supposed to mean. And it's interesting because I didn't realize the movie had so many people tied to it and like certain characters were representations of certain real life people perhaps and certain people tried to stop the movie and I didn't know it was, I, I've never heard of Mankiewicz before um, so I didn't realize that there was like this ghostwriter on it almost. Um, and I love the scathing thing he says at the end of the movie which is effectively like <laughs> Orson Welles didn't do shit to help me write this just so you're aware. <laughs> Yeah, so I knew a little bit about that, mostly because, as I told Carolyn before this, that his grandson, Bang Mankiewicz, uh, was a movie critic and I think, believe still currently works for uh, Turner Classic Movies. Mm -hmm. And he, I, I listened to his thoughts on this movie. He obviously didn't review it um, because he was, he's been around it. It's like his, it's his grandfather. So there's mm -hmm. a lot going on there. Um, but he says it's like, and he never really met the man because in the, they say at the end of this movie mank dies when he's 55 mm -hmm. so and that was what he that would have been like 11 years after the movie so like in the 50s mm -hmm. so yeah like didn't really meet meet this guy or didn't meet him at all but uh, according to the stories he heard from his grandmother and like take i'll take this all with a grain of salt because it's family stuff stories passed down so they've definitely probably smoothed the edges out on who he was mm -hmm. but it's pretty accurate to who this man was is that he did have a really sharp wit and that constantly got him in trouble because he acted and thought he was smarter than everybody and really loved the craft of writing but deemed movies below it. He mm -hmm. really wanted to specifically be a, like he thought theater was a more was a, a higher standard medium than film and he did have a serious alcohol problem that ultimately ended his life and constantly stepped on people's toes, but mm -hmm. always knew what was right and tried to stick to that as much as he could um, personally. And he never, even though he does have like a lot of platonic uh, relationships with women in mm -hmm. this movie, um, he apparently did. That was true. He never, never cheated on his, his wife. He just mm -hmm. emotionally did, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but they, it strews pretty closely and, this story is way more Manx, Manx, like Herman Mankiewicz's point of view on the creation of Citizen Kane. So mm -hmm. it is biased. It's not 
but the truth probably lies somewhere between the middle between him and Orson Welles, would I guess? Mm-hmm. But he was contracted and was not going to get not, was not going to get given credit. That was true. Do you feel like it succeeds in showing all these aspects of a complicated man? Um, yes, but it also makes it seem like he is not as complicated or the issues aren't as overwhelming as I'm sure they were in real life. I think it touches on all of them, but it flattens it flattens them a little bit. Like because this movie is so like snappy and like so old Hollywood and like it it makes it feel not real. And for a story about a real man with real issues and intricacies and uh talents, it's yeah, it just it just seems to take something away from that in my opinion. I don't know if we're supposed to think it's a if a true story or just the retelling of this man's his version of events. Yeah, I can't. It doesn't fair. say based on a true story, right? Like, so they're never presenting it as true, other than the fact that we know this person was real. So it's mm-hmm. inescapable at some point. But mm-hmm. they never. I never felt like it was a definitive version of these events. I thought it was just a story, like heavily storyized version of this man and the events around it. I think it is definitely trying to educate us on the creation of Citizen Kane. Yeah, but I don't think it is also like this is the truth. Yeah, I think it's I, trying to explain who this guy is. For me, it touches on a lot of interesting things because all the stuff that you just said about him as a man with these platonic friendships and his alcoholism and stuff, I'm like, I want to see that movie. <laughs> you know? Um, yes. And and I feel like that that is not this movie. I, I read um, a film review in the Globe and Mail by Barry Hertz in which the title is David Fincher's Mank is the most interesting half masterpiece mess you'll watch this year. Um, and I feel like that's pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I, but also i don't mind that it's a mess like i kind of still really enjoyed the movie i was mm-hmm. like yeah it's a good it's it's a good movie it's not it's nowhere near fincher's best films no and i feel like i enjoyed the watch but i gained nothing from it you yeah know? it's empty calories at some point which is anything. disappointing yeah. for a level well i was gonna say yeah yeah you're right in that it's empty calories i feel like i i didn't it didn't say anything it told a story it told a fun story an interesting story um i'm sure I would have gotten it. Like, there's lots of time jumps. There's lots of references to old Hollywood and, like, 1930s arts, culture, politics. It had me a bit lost. I think maybe I would have got more from it then. But I think maybe I still wouldn't have, you know. There, there's still no hidden message in this, in this that I would have gained by missing by not missing those things, you know. Yeah, exactly. And all of the performances are great. They are. I would say that if it's going to get um, Academy Award nods, I wouldn't be surprised to see um, Amanda Seyfried in the Best Supporting Actress because they love an ingenue. So I mean, she's really good. I like her in general, so I feel like I'm a bit biased. I, I agree. She also was really good. And I found – I love when she was on screen. I love when her and Gary Oldman were interacting. Like, I thought her character was interesting. And mm-hmm. for a 1930 movie, 30s movie that kind of like leaned into tropes, like Orson Welles was this – mystical maybe villain not so sure she could have been the young ingenue and she wasn't um which i appreciate yeah it's more it's the it's very much like a lot of the male characters in this movie are just tropes Mm -hmm. but with the two and a half ish female characters they're very much not they're Mm -hmm. like given a little more time and i would actually like to see the amanda seafried marion davies david fincher film Mm -hmm. i was like that seems more interesting to me like the, just the general story as well of like this person constantly having to be portrayed as this one but she's not like that in real life mm-hmm. and 
the concessions she has to make, like the brief snippets of like her life story that come through in this movie are very good and very interesting. Like I wanted to know more. Mm-hmm. And Frank, I think she's the, I think she's the best performance in this movie because she hasn't really been, I haven't really seen her in a movie in a long time. It feels mm-hmm. like, and she hasn't been in a movie that has been good. in I don't know how long, you know it what feels I like think... it's been like a decade. I feel like these old Hollywood movies, the mistake that they're making, including this one, which should be the Marion Davies, Amanda Seyfried story, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, <laughs> which should have been the Sharon Tate, Margot Robbie story. I, I want to see these movies about the girls. Give me the girls, please. Yeah, it's kind of, we get, you like, it's true. It's like I've seen movies about old Hollywood about the men millions of times. Mm-hmm. And... It's not that Mank isn't interesting. It's just that he's not as interesting as Marion Davies. Well, he's a character we've seen. Yeah, exactly. And although I still think I think Gary Oldman is good and will be nominated. And frankly, I think he's better in this than he was when he was Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. For what he, which he won for, but he's not the best part. Of, he's not the best performance in this movie. I also really liked Lily Collins as his like aide. Yeah, she plays Reed Alexander, which seems to be his aide. But I, I like her because she's got a little bit of attitude, but not mm-hmm. in an excessive way. I thought she was very good. Yeah, and they that it's a the their relation they come to care about each other, and mm-hmm. he definitely relies on her. And it doesn't feel like a strict. There's like no weird. It's not like employee employer relationship. It is more collaborative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And shows that she. She gets zero credit, but yeah. definitely helped with the creation of this movie and put a lot of work into it and deserves credit, which I'm like, I don't know if that was real. I assume it is, but mm-hmm. it, it's hopeful. And like the one that I, the, the half is like the wife is that she gets the one scene where she gets to like tell Mankoff and then is not in the movie anymore. Yeah, Otherwise, she just sits there and says like, why do I love you? Why do I love you? And you're like, okay, yeah, OK. <laughs> no, to be fair, he's, he's like, why do you love me? And she's like, I don't know, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> at least there's it there's that. Yeah. Uh but I, it's those scenes always only show the purpose to like show us that a relationship exists and to give more info on Mank but not on her. Mm-hmm. Until she gets to be like, I raised your sons and you're basically not around. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go live my life now. Bye. <laughs> but I don't know. I agree it's kind of a mess, but I also liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm very maybe it's the fincherness. Because it's you can obviously see it's a uh, a master filmmaker at work. Mm-hmm. So even though it is a lesser version of his work, it's still good. Yeah, it's like along the lines of the girl with the dragon tattoo level Fincher, where you're like, wow, that movie was good, but I don't really remember much about it. Yeah, I don't really remember much about it. I think I saw it in theaters too. Yeah, it's other than like, wow, that had a really good Rooney Mara performance. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it did, and I think that's kind of what made her. Rooney Mara as we know her today. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, this, I don't, it will probably be nominated for everything is my assumption. Mm-hmm. Like picture, director, cinematography, screen writing. The thing is, I enjoyed the movie, but it didn't, it didn't suck me in as much as all of those awards would imply that it did. But you're right. It's Oscar Beatty. So it will be. Um, I just, there are better movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. We've talked about better movies. I, yeah. I was just trying to guess. I think the one that I want it, the one thing I think that it should 
get nominated for and maybe win is Amanda Seyfried as Meredith Davies. I think mm-hmm. that is the best part of this movie. And frankly, she's better than this movie deserves. <laughs> yeah, no, she's fantastic. And should be recognized and should get in other movies because she is talented and just hasn't had the opportunity to show that, really. Yeah, I mean, still... well, being in Mean Girls and then Mamma Mia and stuff, Dear John, like, she's had a history of doing uh, comedies and rom-coms. Yeah, and she's still fairly young. Like, she's, what, 35, if that? She's born in 1985. Oh, wow. Okay. And I like, I like, I really like Lily Collins in it, but I don't think her part is huge or mm-hmm. like that amazing, but she's really good. I think everybody's really good. Also, they get Charles Dance to basically be American Tywin Lannister for brief <laughs> scenes. And it's, it's great. More, I want Charles Dance in every movie just saying things to me. They could be the dumbest things in the world. I'd be like, wow, this is important. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah. Like, wow, this man is so. Great voice, intimidating, but he could literally be saying like, boop, boop, beep, bop. So it seems that Amanda Seyfried is coming out in a couple things um, in 2021. One is a horror thriller and one is a drama. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, she hopefully, I mean, if anything comes from this, that she gets more work. But mm-hmm. I don't have anything else to say about Mank. I think we covered everything, right? I think so. Okay. So what is the... The next podcast will be the 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what, for your consideration, do you want to pick next? Oh, Lord. Don't make me go first. Well, I mean, I can. I was trying to do that because I haven't decided. So <laughs> I was going to be like, I was going to make a decision while you made your decision because, like, maybe she picks what I'm one of the two. So I don't know. Uh, but if you don't know, I guess I'll, I'll go Hit first. I'll, I'll do that right now for sure. I will. Buying yourself uh, some time here. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> let me I let me just make sure. I actually just I wrote down two and I want to make sure. Well, and also it's hard to find um ones that are available. Yeah, they're all available, just not legally. Um <laughs> I can't find um Minari anywhere. Minari hasn't released. That's like the one. I think it comes out in February. Yeah. Uh but okay, I'm gonna throw two at you. And right. I kind of want some help with this. Okay. So the first one, uh, Time, the doc on Amazon Vi- Prime Video. I believe that's where it is. It's just called Time. Ah, uh, yes, I've I've uh, heard of this one. Black. I don't want to spoil much. The other one I was thinking of is Wonder Woman eighty four. Oh wow, that's a and choice. Not, and not because, and uh, there has been lots of talking about it, and not because I'm interested in. I am interested in seeing it because I did really enjoy the first movie, and I am kind of done with superhero movies in general. But I feel like there's a lot to talk about there, but I don't mm-hmm. know if that is something we want to do. Mm-hmm. Will it be nominated for Academy Awards? I mean, other than the visual effects, I assume? No. Mm-hmm. Well, then let's make it time. Okay, then we'll do time. What is yours? Uh, um, let me see if this one's available. I can pick anything, anything I want. Except Minari. Please don't pick Minari. I won't pick Minari. It's not released yet. <laughs> yeah, that would be very hard to find. Be just screaming into the void. Ooh, do I pick something I've seen or something I've not seen, James? Okay, I'll give you two options as well since you gave me two. Oh, Our options okay. are Ma Rainey's Black Bottom mm-hmm. or uh, The Sound of Metal. Uh, I also want to watch both of those. Um... <laughs> we have a Netflix versus Prime battle here. 
Well, it's Sound of Metal is on Prime too, I think, right? Yeah, but Ma Rainey is on Netflix, I think. And Ma Rainey's Netflix, and it's. <laughs> I think we should do Sound of Metal. All right. So the next for you your consideration. You on Chadwick Boseman. I mean, we'll do Ma Rainey's. Like, I'm definitely gonna. We're definitely <laughs> gonna do Ma Rainey's. I just. I don't wanna. I don't know if I'm emotionally prepared for another Chadwick Boseman movie. That's fair. Sound of Metal is very long. Just a warning. Oh, is it? I assumed it would be like. 40 an hour 48 is what i was kind of expecting actually it's two hours and one minute it felt long then oh okay i assume i don't know the length of time but maybe it is the length of time itself (laughs) that one was just for you why thank you uh but the next reconsideration will be time and then we'll do the sound of metal but Carolyn, where can people find you? Uh, the time of the documentary is an hour 20. Ugh, easy. Um, you can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter, all the socials really, at carolyndunk93. And where can they find you, James? You can find me at James underscore Willix on Twitter and at James Willix on Instagram. And you can find this podcast on all services. And you can send us an email at letswatchpod at gmail.com. And now Carolyn... Mm. is going to make a really bad mank joke. Oh, God. Uh, oh, no. All the things <laughs> I can think of like are rhyming ones, and I'm like, that's not a good joke. You're just going to make a song then? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just make a, a rap about mank. Oh, no, please, no. 